The following contains major plot lines that may spoil movies for some viewers. You have been warned. Hello, welcome to another episode of the Abbey Normal Podcast. I'm your host, Colin. And I'm Aaliyah. How's it going today? I hate it when you ask this question because it's not like you're going to get a response back or anything. I know. Well, in my mind, I'm hearing what they're saying. Still. But it doesn't matter. And you know what's funny? For the first time, too, that when I introduced the show, I didn't say my full name this time. No, you did. No, in every episode, I always say my full name. So, But this time, I just said Colin. I, I'm going to go back and play it, but I feel like you said Colin Bourne. No, I didn't say Colin Bourne. I just said Colin. Uh, okay, whatever. Anyway. anyway. What a, yeah. So this is our new episode for the week, and last week we talked about, well, what, what did we talk about, The Wolfman? We talked about the comparisons between The Wolfman and the remake. Yes, so that prompted us to do this special segment where we picked two different werewolf movies and we debated on which was the better werewolf movie. Just like we did with the vampire ones. Yes, exactly. So we're going to do that, and... I wanted to be a little bit more prepared this time around, so we're going to talk a little bit about werewolves and like where that folklore started and how it originated and everything. So the history of werewolves. So the earliest mentioning of werewolves was in this writing of the epic of, I'm going to butcher this name, Gilgamesh, dated back in like 2100 BC. And then later in life, or later in history, in 1831, Leitch Ritchie wrote The Man Wolf, which is a pseudo Gothic novella of lycanthropy and magic. And I, th- I don't know if I'm pronouncing that word right lycanthropy. Uh, lycanthrope. Or lycan what? Lycanthropy? Uh,. Well, you said lichen, right? You said like I think it's lycanthropy. Let's some go people, with that. Some people say lycanthrope. Yeah, to, lycanthrope. To Latin term for werewolf. Mm-hmm. So going into more written stuff, Catherine Crow penned what is believed to be the first werewolf short story called, or titled, A Story of a Werewolf, which is dated in 1846. And there's actually another book called The Werewolf Book, which is the Encyclopedia of Shapeshifting Beings, which sounds really cool, and I kind of want to get my hands on this book. But it, the author claims that humans and wolves evolved together over thousands of years, and that this relationship may be responsible for the origin of werewolf mythologies. So we kind of have some sources to kind of go by, like early written of werewolf stories. So... What are werewolves? I mean, we've we talked a little bit about this when we discussed the Wolfman movies, but we should devil in a little bit more about werewolves and especially their tropes. Because, I mean, aside from the two that we're going to be talking about today, there's a bunch of different werewolf movies that cover a good portion of the folklore. Mm-hmm. So, Colin, what, what would you say is a good common werewolf trope? Uh, good if, you common... Ha- if you had to state the obvious one. About negative or or like good about them or how I'm to kill talk- them. I'm not talking about qualities. I'm talking about tropes. Well, the ones so, I know so like how when- to kill a werewolf. I mean, what's like their their venom is basically like wolfsbane. They can't have wolfsbane. I mean, their poison is wolfsbane. That and also to kill them, you have to kill them with a silver bullet. So yeah, the common methods of Killing werewolves in most books and movies are um, silver, wolfsbane, and decapitation, which I feel like go hand in hand with a lot of monster 
methods of killing them. Well, yeah, and in order to really kill a monster, really, you have to either decapitate them or know what their weaknesses are in order to destroy them. Yeah. Other tropes. So, I guess the biggest yeah. thing we can discuss, at least for me, because I not only watch some werewolf movies, I like to read the books about werewolves. Like, the, the fiction and young adult romance books about werewolves, they throw in a lot of, like, all these different rules and regulations on what it means to be a werewolf. And I just kind of want to, like, gloss over them a little bit. Not gloss, but you know what I mean. So, the concept of being a werewolf. There's two different things that I have read in books and seen in movies that tend to really categorize, or not categorize. I'm trying to, I'm messing up my words and I'm sorry. But there's a there's a method to how werewolves are made. Mm-hmm. They're either you're either born a werewolf like in Teen Wolf. Yeah, or you're cursed like one when you get bit by a wolf. Cursed, maybe, bitten and transformed into one. Yeah, that's the most common one, and we see a lot in American Werewolf in London. Ginger Snaps. We, the Howling. The Howling. It, it, that's the most common one. Even but, the even the original one, the Wolfman. Yes, even in the Wolfman, and there actually have been a couple. I'm blanking on the sources, but you, there's even like a witch's curse that curses people to be werewolves. Oh yeah. Yeah. I thought you were saying and, there was like a witch's curse to be a witch. No, there's like there. You can argue too that in some folklores and tales. A witch or somebody who practices dark arts can curse one to be a werewolf. And that is possible, especially with the powers that they have. They can uncontrollably do whatever. Yeah. And then we have have a timeline in which they can transform. Or not literally a timeline. Like a specific time of the month, like under the full moon. Now, that is a common trope. Oftentimes, movie makers or authors will change it up a bit. Some may be able to transform it well. Some may just be only able to transform under the full moon. But that seems to be the more common trope that a lot of people tend to lean to when they think of the big werewolf transformation. And sometimes, well, I guess some movies and TV shows and books, how the transformation process occurs can take time. Like we mentioned, American Werewolf in London, there's like a whole scene of visual montages of close-ups of how the body is morphing into into this beast. And then you've got... The weird Twilight movies, those werewolves, they just run and jump and they poof. Yeah. Turn, like, it's like almost instantaneously they become a wolf. Just like with the vampires in Twilight where there can actually be out in sunlight also. It was the same with the werewolves where they didn't need a full moon to change. Mm-hmm. Which that's kind of weird too. It is. And it's... It's really strange, too, because, like I said, there's all these different pop culture references in terms of, like I said, movies, TV shows, books. When they when they tell a story that involves werewolves, you can literally take this kind of concept and run in different directions with it. Because, like I said, they can either be turned, they can either be like start as a normal human and then turn into a werewolf, or they could be born a werewolf, part of a werewolf pack. And then trying to adjust to life intermingling with humans. 
And then there's always like how this, how that story is going to roll out. Are they going to be able to transform at will or do they only need the power of the full moon? And then what will eventually be their demise or ending, so to speak? Will they try to be able to find a cure for this, which most times doesn't ever happen? Or are they going to eventually succumb to this transformation and it's eventually going to lead to their downfall? That is true. That is that those tend to be the most common scenarios in which you, these types of stories can play out. And unfortunately, like we see in Wolfman and a lot of our other movie selections, they don't always have a happy ending. No. No matter how many times they try to reverse the effects of the transformation or they try to adapt to it, it's never always ends well for it's, anybody involved especially the movie that i'm going to be discussing today because in the yeah. very end of that movie is very upsetting yeah and i want to point out too with your movie selection i want to invoke now a trigger warning because your movie has themes of suicide in it mm-hmm. which and i want everybody else to be aware of that if you go see this movie the ghost of one of the characters tries to encourage the main character to kill himself to prevent himself from killing other people. Well, yeah, but he's not trying to get him to commit suicide. He just thinks it's better for him to kill himself or else he'll That's have to kill more. That's committing suicide, though. Or he, he's not trying to get him to suicide suicide yeah but, that's but that's what suicide is, is i know it is yourself. i know but he said if you do if you don't do that you're gonna have to kill more people and i know he's probably not gonna want to do that so it's better for him instead of committing suicide if a cop just shoots him with a gun that's probably better but that's still but, but that's still suicide. pretty bad yeah it's still pretty bad but yeah. yeah he really has no choice in this matter i mean it's rather being killed or kill someone and that's the whole point of this I know, no, but, n- but n- nothing it, killing is good. I understand that, but when but the way that they go about this idea that he has to kill himself, that's still suicide, no matter how you look at it. I know, and I then say what, to to, yeah. to kill yourself for the greater good of others. That's like cabin in the woods shit. That's like you know at the, at the ending, they either had to kill each other to save millions. Or stay alive and save themselves, only to get killed by titans who eventually kill and destroy the rest of the world. Yeah. So, really. Well, sometimes in movies like this, you have to sacrifice something, whether it's yourself or something in it. And then, before we get into our movies, I do want to point out one thing that I thought was interesting. Because I've heard a lot about this story in passing of, like, true crime podcasts. But they're... (sighs) was a real-life case of somebody claiming to be a werewolf. So, in 1589, Peter Stump... Peter Stump was a German serial killer who claimed that he was a werewolf. And that was the reason of his killings. So, like I said, 1859, Stump had one of the most famous werewolf trials of history. After being racked, which is like a torture method, he confessed to having practiced black magic since he was 12 years old. He claimed that the devil gave him a magical belt or like a girdle, uh, which enabled him to metamorphose into the likeness of a greedy, devouring wolf, strong and mighty, with eyes great and large, which in the night sparkled like fire, a mouth great and wide, with most sharp and cruel teeth, a huge body and mighty paws. When he removed the belt, he said, would make him transform back to his human form, but no such belt was ever found um, after his arrest. So that is a pretty interesting concept. And in, because it's that's like one of, the, again, earliest sightings, or not sightings, but earliest documented werewolf cases, 
kind of helped sparked a lot of what like novellas, movies, TV shows, things like that. Mm-hmm. So I just want to touch base on that before we jump into our movie selections. So why don't you go first since yours is the earliest. All right. And it's kind of funny. This movie is actually 40 years old. It will be celebrating its 40th anniversary on August 21st. Mm-hmm. That's when the movie officially came out. Sorry August... if you heard a thump. That's our Don't papers. do that. Don't tell them that. Anyway. What? So American Werewolf in London came out on August 21st, 1981. Hold on. Directed by John Landis. And uh, screenplay is also by John Landis, the same man that made the Animal House movie. And 1941, who's a comedy director who wanted to try out horror. So it's cool that he mixed horror and his blend of, you know, uh, comedy into this movie. And actually, this movie won an award for best makeup and hairstyling, so that's pretty cool. And this movie starred David Naughton, who played the uh, uh, the head character, David Kessler, and his best friend in the movie, Griffin Dunn, who, who is played as... John, um, well, Jack Goodman played by Griffin Dunn. And mm-hmm. the story of this movie is um, David and Jack, two American college students, are backpacking through Britain when a large wolf attacks them. David survives with a bite, but Jack is brutally killed. As David heals in the hospital, he's plagued by the violent nightmares of his mutilated friend, who warns David that he is becoming a werewolf. When David discovers the uh, the horrible truth, he contemplates committing suicide before the next full moon, causing him to transform from man to murderous beast. And this film has the IMDb of a 7.5 out of 10. Rotten Tomatoes gives it an 87%, while Met- and Metacritic gives it 55%, and Google users like this film by 92%. I think this film, for me, has always been such a dear film to my heart because when I was a kid, first werewolf movie i've ever watched really in my life was the wolfman starring lon chaney mm-hmm. and that was always my favorite <laughs> werewolf movie that was always dear to me until it, the movie's so old too so i needed something a little more modern that i could relate to you know because how the werewolf movie was so old you know i mean it's still you know it's still up to age but it's a little outdated you know if you know what i mean well some of the effects are outdated a lot of the dialogue and acting's outdated but yeah you get the gist you get the gist so i needed something that was kind of like still like the wolfman but still a little more modernized so when i first saw uh, american werewolf in london because of the uh, michael jackson thriller music video because they talked about it in the documentary that he was inspired by the movie American Werewolf in London and even got John Landis to direct the music video. Which documentary? The In Search of Darkness one? No, no, no. The Michael Jackson's Thriller documentary that came out back in the day. There was a documentary for it. And Michael was talking about how much of a big fan he was of the film and he wanted to use the makeup of the film and John Landis himself. So he got the people of the film to help him. And I thought this was very intriguing, and I thought the uh, the I was really interested. So I watched American Werewolf in London, and it blew my mind. Mm-hmm. It did, with its mixture of you know scary um, um, scary horror moments with um, really good um, um, special effects and nightmare dream dream sequences and is oddball sense of humor even uh, it's yeah it's oddball sense of humor it was a 
it was very funny the film was as scary as it was also so i really was kind of shocked that they I, even back then when i first watched this mm-hmm. that you could see that it could not only be scary but it could also be funny mm. and i never really seen a film like that until i saw this yeah. and so growing up um this movie has always <coughs> been such a, a movie to my heart that it made me you know it just felt like it was my film to me and i was always a huge fan of david naughton so me and Leah met him a couple years ago at Scarecon, and he was the nicest man to me. He was, was just such a nice guy, and he was funny, and it was just perfect. He actually sang his, his 70s hit, Making It, when we were there, too, so I thought that was mm-hmm. awesome. And it just, it just felt like watching him, and just it just felt like brought my inner child back, so... Mm-hmm. That movie is pretty good, but, like, with some of the things... Like, as much as I love the movie... What I mean, is it about it that, in your opinion, makes makes it a good werewolf movie? I think it goes well with the uh, with the wolf traditions. It's stuck with the wolf traditions, even though they um, were doing some new things with it. Because you don't usually mm-hmm. see a lot of the stuff that they do in this movie than they do in older movies of werewolf films. Because mm-hmm. in, in, in this film, they really brought more of... The transformations, because you never really fully see what a full-blown transformation werewolf looked like. Um, like, with the technical special effects that they used. Uh, technically, we do. We've seen it a plenty of times, like we said. What? I feel, I feel like in a lot of werewolf movies, the transformation scenes, especially the, er- the earlier and older ones, take longer to, not... to, to go through than the newer ones. Honey? What? I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about no, when I'm, they were trying newer things, like bones. You hear bones cracking I, and everything. I understand what you're saying, but I'm saying is that it's not that we don't ever see a werewolf transformation scene in any werewolf movie. I'm just saying that compared from an older movie compared to a newer movie, it's a much more different process because you're working with practical effects that take longer to not only put together but longer to shoot because you have to really work with what you've got in a certain amount of time and like i said we we see it a lot and in another movie i'm going to reference just off the top of my head is in the, the company of wolves those transformation scenes take maybe five eight minutes tops just to process because again for its time they had a lot of practical effects to work with, so it's those scenes are going to take longer to shoot, and it's going to be like a sequence of scenes rather than like a scene itself. You know what I mean? Because you're closing in on, like you said, the the bones changing, the face elongating, the, the hair, com- the hair, the hair, coming yeah, in. the hair growing and the nails elongating. I understand that, but to say that you never see it in any werewolf movie is well, the way that they shaped it and the special effects that they used to do a lot of that motion in the movie. Yes, yeah. I've never seen it in older films because in older films, they didn't really have enough special effects or enough of the, um, uh, what is this, pra- practical effects to come up with some of the things that they well, did for that. Pra- practical effects are effects that don't really need a lot of computer-generated imaging to pull off. I know, but in the old... And but in the older films, they use more like when you see them, it's more about the hair growing and all that stuff other than just you see some of the um, body parts and everything shaping in different parts and going in different directions. Yeah. You know, 
with I'm just saying people have seen werewolf changes, but they've never seen him like this before in American Werewolf in London at the time. Okay. And then after that, they started doing more things like that in other films. Okay. Like in The Company of Wolves, War of the Howling. The Howling is a very good example of that also. Because they were both, because they saw what American Werewolf was doing and they liked what they were doing with the, the body changing. Yeah. So that's how they did it with that. And in The Howling, the cool part about their changes, like they were doing their heads and like it looks like there was like a heartbeat in the forehead. I didn't like the change, the transformation scenes in The Howling. Why? Did it I seem too like, creepy? No, I feel like that was over the top. Yeah. Compared to American Werewolf in London, I thought the Howling's transformation scenes was incredibly over the top. I, okay, like I said, compared to American Werewolf in London, I thought that transformation scene perfectly pro- pulled off what a werewolf transformation should look like when working with practical effects. Whatever they were doing with the Howling, what, like you said, they made it look like, like the head was like throbbing and like caving in and expanding. That's reaching. That's so exaggerated, and I don't think, for me, was really that realistic, and it didn't pull it off as well as I thought it was going to be. Yeah. Not not to say that my movie choice did a much better job either, but I'm saying compared to, comparing your movie to The Howling, I didn't think The Howling did a good job. I thought, like I said, it was reaching. Yeah. Yeah. It, well, I mean, yeah. I mean, I do prefer American Werewolf over uh, London over uh, mm-hmm. The Howling, but they're both perfectly good films. Yeah. Yeah, created by both great directors, too, because they both were into comedies and horror. So, mm-hmm. yeah. but So, you have anything more to say about your movie? Um, more to say about it? Um, I will say my favorite things were the, the very scary parts of the film were the dream sequences. And that yeah. right there, um, what I was going to say, you don't usually see those in horror films. Yeah. So, John Landis was trying to definitely come up with new concepts of in werewolf movies where stuff like this happens when you turn into a werewolf sometimes you get really bad dreams that kind of really foresee the future yeah and that's what kind of what happened with um with uh david in the film and the the scariest fucking thing i've ever saw in that film is when he's at home with his family with the kid with his little brother and sister watching the muppets while his family's like doing some work or like fi- like fixing up some stuff in the house mm-hmm. then they hear a knocking at the door and open it up and there's these wolf nazis dressed up in like you know armor uh, army outfits with machine guns and I killing the whole really family i didn't understand that dream sequence well, be- that much. well because the thing was is because he was kind of relating to his um his mm-hmm. uh, nationality because he's in the movie he plays a jewish uh, person yeah and basically his um his family who were all jewish they were kind of like getting killed by these these nazis and i never understand that either but i guess this was kind of like kind of like something about that yeah you know and it was it just seemed weird and that kind of freaked me out too so Mm -hmm. but other than that yeah the movie is fantastic and just what happened with him in the very end of the movie where he got shot by the cop and the girl that he loved that he met in the hospital um was right there to see him die and then the very last scene all you see is a naked body of him dying in the alley yeah and that's another common trope too is when Mm -hmm. a werewolf essentially is wounded or dies in their werewolf form they revert back to their human form in their final moments of before dying yeah which is i mean it's strange but it isn't Mm. but yeah yeah 
So, can I move on with mine now? So, I am done with mine, so I'll have it take it over to Aaliyah. Okay, so I chose the movie Ginger Snaps. It was released on August 1st of 2000. It had a runtime of one hour and 48 minutes long. John Fawcett directed it, and it has an IMDb rating of 6.8 out of 10. It stars Catherine Isabel, Emily Perkins, who played young Beverly in the It miniseries. Oh, wow. Yes, that's right. Chris Lamesh. Or Lamesh. Lamesh, yeah. You got that. Mimi Rogers and Jesse Moss. Uh, what I really liked about this movie is that it really reminded me a lot of Jennifer's Body. So like a pre-Jennifer's Body-esque type movie yeah. where it shows this bond and closeness between two girls. In this case, it's two sisters, whereas Jennifer's body had two friends. But when one of them gets, I guess when one of them undergoes a certain type of transformation that is, I guess, toxic to say the least, mm -hmm. it really affects not only their dynamic, but how they handle it really shows how they change as people. Because in, for example, like when needy tries to help jennifer you know trying to figure out what she's doing mm -hmm. and knowing that she's out there killing these boys and she doesn't care about what she's going through but needy still tries to help because it's like this is my childhood friend i promise i'd always be there for her but at the same time it's like jennifer doesn't give a shit the same thing goes for this situation ginger is the one who gets bitten and i just gotta say her this this scene where she gets attacked by this monster is really it happens really fast yeah. and it's really creepy to watch and after after the fact she her her bite marks and claw marks heal very quickly and in place of the scar she starts to grow like patches of fur mm -hmm. and this is a type of transformation that happens subtly over time like i said the fur grows in the nails start to grow longer and she does actually develop a tail at one point in time, which is strange. But while Jennifer is terrified of what she's becoming, she also knows that, you know, I, I'm killing people in the process, but I also don't care at the same time. So it's kind of hard to really feel sympathetic for Ginger. Mm -hmm. And then at the same time, you feel bad for Bridget because she just wants to try to help her sister not be this monster and stop killing people. And she's going through all these hoops to try to help her mm -hmm. with no gratitude or appreciation from her sister. It it really does frustrate me seeing this, but it, like I said, it gives me that Jennifer bot like Jennifer's body type of vibe. And it's it's I think it's overall a really good like girl power type of movie. Yeah. And it, I like how it also too combines it com it kind of goes hand in hand with go what was currently going on at home life. She was 16. She was just starting to experience her first menstrual cycle, like puberty. Ew. Yeah. And that's having her period and going through puberty not only brought the attack on her to end up being a werewolf, but it goes hand in hand with the transformation that she's also going as a werewolf at the same time. Because mm -hmm. her body is developing more. She's becoming more confident. She's starting to have different interests and more ways or not are either fueled by her having puberty or fueled by her being a werewolf. And I like that. I like that comparison. And then there's another concept in which this type of curse can be transferred sexually. Because she, at one point, does have sex, unprotected sex, with a boy at school. And he starts to become a werewolf as well. 
You know what's funny? What? There's a thing I've seen in, in movies like this. It's kind of common mm-hmm. that when one person who is a werewolf that had sex with a person who's not a uh, werewolf and just a normal human, mm-hmm. they can transfer those those wolf uh, DNA into that person when they're having sex. See, that's a pretty interesting concept. Yeah, because I've seen this in a couple films. Yeah. So, yeah. So, this is crazy. And a... You know, it's another good example of a good werewolf-like trope thing, that show being human. Mm-hmm. There, there's a BBC and an American version of this mo- of this show, but there is the character Sam, and in, in the American version, I don't know if it's similar to the BBC version, but in the American version, he has sex with this girl named Nora, and she gets pregnant. Well, she ends up miscarrying because the night of the full moon... I guess the baby is more of a werewolf than she is and was unable to carry it to term, Hmm. which is a pretty interesting concept. Hmm. Like I said, the the way that you can take a write out a werewolf story, you can take the concept and run in so many different directions with it. Whereas vampires, I feel like they're more, they're more, what's the word I'm looking for? Like cookie cutter that you have to fit a certain mold in order for it to be a, a, Typical va- vampire story. Hmm. You could change it up and make it a little different, but then again. Yeah, but then that's why we got Twilight. And that's why you got so many people say, hating. Yeah. I was going to say, by taking by taking a vampire concept and tweaking it a little bit, you yeah, got Twilight yeah, out of it. Yeah, <laughs> never mind. So, yeah. No, but you know what's hun- funny, honey? Hmm. I was actually... <laughs> what? Funny, honey. Funny, honey. Oh, shut up. Anyway. <laughs> so, so, there's a plot hole. There's a possible plot hole I found. In your movie, or in my movie, American okay. Werewolf in London. This is the funny part, but I think this was way back then where they didn't think of this. But if you put it in a movie now, mm-hmm. it would kind of make sense. It would kind of make a sequel out of it. But just imagine this: mm-hmm. David, he got turned into a werewolf. Yes, he was found in the hospital. Yeah, he was taken care of by the doctor and also that nurse who he has a huge interest in. Yes, and after he left the hospital to get discharged, he stayed at her place for a couple nights. Okay. And when he was over his place, at her place, they had sex. Okay. He was still a werewolf. Okay. How the fuck that when these two fucked, he was a werewolf after all that. And she didn't turn into one? No. But then again, this was like like a little before the movie ended and we don't know what happened after that. Exactly. Because like I said, you can take this story and you can run in different directions with it. Like in... Twilight. Okay, so in Ginger Snaps, like I said, Bridget's trying to find a way to cure Ginger of this affliction. Mm -hmm. Now... There's no way. Well, now, let's not say there is no way, because as we find out in Ginger Snaps 2, Unleashed, Bridget finds a way to... She finds a way to keep the transformation from preventing. That doesn't mean she's cured herself of being a werewolf, she has just found a way to stay not, human. Yeah, to, yeah, to maintain her humanity, so to speak. Hmm. Okay. So the the way that they have developed it was her and this guy Sam had created a wolf spain based antidote that, like I said, keeps the transformation at bay. She tests it out on that guy. I think his name is Chris or Jesse or something. He's played by Jesse Moss. But he, once he starts to feel like the effects and the changes are happening to his body and he's grown a tail and everything, she injects him with the thing to test it out. And it temporarily reverses the effects and he's normal. Yeah. But that doesn't completely cure him or Ginger. Yeah. But, but then again, she never got the tried on Ginger. So had it been different, who knows what would have happened. But 
What I do like too is, like I said, this transformation process happens slowly over time. And then just as Ginger's about to completely transform into a werewolf, you can tell by the the way that they use the prosthetics on her face and the hair change. Because her hair goes from red to gray. She has a more canine looking facial appearance. Oh, really? And then I even found out that the director, John Fawcett, he refused to use any sort of CGI effect Good. At all. Which I, I applaud him for. And I applaud anybody who makes a werewolf movie using practical effects alone. He opted for like the special creature effects to be done with prosthetics and makeup. So the special effects proved to be a major hardship as Fawcett and preferred to use a more traditional means of prosthetics and makeup. Uh, Catherine Isabel had to spend up to seven hours in makeup in the makeup chair to create Ginger's metamorphosis with a further two hours to remove them. Often covered in sticky, fake blood that required um, borax and household detergent to remove she further endured wearing contacts that hindered her vision and prosthetic teeth that meant she couldn't speak without a lisp but i feel like she already talks with a lisp i don't know i've never seen it Catherine isabel yeah you've seen her in stuff before well in freddie versus jason oh yeah, yeah, yeah oh yeah that really you think she talks with a lisp yeah she talks with like a bit of an accent or a lisp i mean but... she doesn't sound like one of our friends that's for sure Ugh, don't like, go there she looks like she hides it pretty well yeah but i mean it's interesting because i mean again that that practicality is like it's really cool what you can pull off with practical effects and like i said i applaud i applaud any movie maker who's willing to go that route rather than cgi because honestly and, and i feel like a lot of people agree cgi for what it is doesn't always hold up well with any movie really if you rely too heavily on it, it's it all looks fake. You can easily tell it's fake and it just doesn't look right. No matter how much you try to design it. So that's just my opinion on CGI. But I like Ginger Snaps. I thought it was a really good teenage werewolf movie. It's one of the, like I said, it's one of those coming of age movies that goes hand in hand with teenage years, puberty, all that jazz. Angst, and, all that. Yeah, teenage angst and then combines it with a supernatural prospect, which I thought was really good. And that's what made this movie <laughs> such a cult following movie. Yeah, I mean it I mean, I would say a six point eight out of town is fair for a rating, but it it's definitely up there with like weller known werewolf movies because well, i've i've heard ginger snaps mentioned a lot of times in passing but i never actually watched it until i sat down and watched all three movies well i feel which... like with every decade there's always going to be those great quintessential <clears throat> werewolf movies mm-hmm. like how the wolfman was in the 40s or yep. the curse of the wolf in the 60s or um, the Howling and American Werewolf in the 90s and just like Ginger Snaps in the 2000s, you know, like, because mm-hmm. you didn't see too many werewolf movies then besides Curse, that one with Christi- uh, with Christina Ricci. But Ginger Snaps, I feel like it's definitely up there with the, you know, the round table of werewolf films. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely up there. I mean, I guess if we had to if we had to come up with a top five werewolf movie list, Wolfman would definitely be number one. American Werewolf in London would be number two. I feel like Ginger Snaps would probably fall under four or five, but what would you think would be three or four? The Howling. Uh, I don't like The Howling, though. I think it. I I mean, it doesn't matter what you like. It's what everyone (laughs) looks at it as in the list. The Howling is okay. 
Let's be honest. It's a good backwoods-like wolf movie. And not for nothing, but it wasn't the highest grossing movie of its time in that year. No, but it actually did get... It actually was pretty uh, financially successful just as much as American Werewolf was. Yeah. I mean, sure, they compete. Actually, and you know what? This is a really cool fact for everyone for knowing about werewolf movies, especially in the 80s. Big popular year for the eighty for the horror films uh, for the werewolf films in the eighties was nineteen eighty one with the release of not only one two three or four werewolf films include American Werewolf in London, um, The Howling, Wolfen, and Full Moon High. Yep, and that was a that was a big popular year for werewolf films, which I don't know why they released all four of those films that year, but it happens. Yeah, who knows? Yeah. I mean, honestly, I couldn't tell you what. What would fall under three or four? Because, I mean, there's so many of them out there, but you'd really have to sit and watch all of them and then be the judge of who, like, what is better. And everybody has a different opinion of what's a better werewolf movie. So... I will say Silver Bullet's a a perfectly good film also. Silver Bullet's okay. I think it's a good one. And also... A lighter, lighter werewolf films like Teen Wolf. That's my, that's my favorite. Yeah, but it's not scary. I know it's not, but it was basically trying to do. I was a teenage werewolf. That was the same with Full Moon High too. I know, but I didn't like Teen Wolf. I thought it was too campy. <sighs> anyway. Anyway, so do you want to end it off with that, or do you yeah, want... let's let's end it off with that. I think we got yeah. pretty good information for this show so far. So. Yeah. Y'all, if you have, that's our common thing here. So, um, if you have any requests or anything, I mean, they can message us, right? Is there any way we get messages from people? If if you follow us on Facebook and Instagram and you see our posts, definitely throw in a comment with suggestions of what you want to hear next. Like, what are your options of what you want to hear on our show that we haven't talked about? Yeah, or what other type of like horror movies do you want us to discuss? Because I think if we ever do something like this again. We talked about it before, but we might do like a ghost story type of movie. I, or... Yeah, because the one yeah. film I do want to watch is the 1981 film Ghost Story, which the, I yeah. think it's 82 or 81, but it's a really good film. And I think I feel like it would definitely be very interesting to look up, research, watch and discuss. Yeah, and I've got, a, well, there's so many of them. I'd have to pick the one that I want to talk about. But yeah, I mean, follow us on Instagram facebook under the abby normal podcast usernames uh we still have patreon and our we're on verbal mm-hmm. we're on verbal yeah we're on verbal v-u-r-b-l i know how to and, spell it and um i don't want to jump the gun on this too soon yet but we might actually be coming out with videos soon of i would our, love to do videos of our recordings yeah mm. It would be really fun to do, and I hope you guys really will enjoy those coming soon. I mean, I mean hell, we can use that as a YouTube channel. Yeah, something. yeah, because that's really the only way we would be able to get these out there is through a YouTube channel. So be on the lookout for that, and we'll announce that once we get that launched. But Yeah, once we do that more, because I actually want to do more videos, and not only this right here, but also my own stuff. Yeah, Colin's got TikTok now. You guys should go follow Colin. I know, i got, what, I mean, one video, yeah, and I already one... made like 100 likes or something in one day? Yeah, I mean, you got pretty quickly. But yeah, yeah, it was, I mean, that's cool though. That's one way to get yourself started. What can I say? People dig me. It's weird. I don't know. I know. You got to come up with more. I do, but it's it's so hard to come up with, especially when I'm so busy with everything. Oh yeah, you could talk about movies. There's a lot of people who talk about movies on TikTok. I know, but even some people to talk about movies, it just seems dumb and just so... 
Yeah. But I don't know. I mean, if I come up with something, I'll put it on there and I think it'll be fun. That's what I wanted to do it for. I don't want to do it because it's a trend. No. I think it would be fun if we ever did like a compilation of those types of videos where like people ask you like, what's your favorite like TV show moment or movie moment? Or what's a scene from a movie that you get all jazzed about? I did one like that with American Horror Story, and it got a good amount of likes. I wouldn't say a lot. Like what I had? A little bit more than that. But yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. But let's end this. So, well, this has been a special episode of the Abbey Normal Podcast. I'm your host, Colin Bourne. And I'm Alia. Signing off saying, I didn't mean to call you a meatloaf. That's so cheesy. I know.